0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Jesus said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. It's a deep question. It's an important question. It's a question that has come up time and time again throughout history, as well as many times in our own hearts and in our own lives. And it will continue to be asked countless times until the day when Christ comes again. Lord, will those who are saved be few? What Jesus was asked one day as he was journeying toward Jerusalem, we aren't even told who asked it. The Bible just says someone, some person, just an incidental character. Maybe someone who believed in Jesus, but maybe not. We don't know. But many different people today are still asking this question. Theologians ask this question as they pore over the implications of of the various answers that you can find in the world How many people will be saved? What will God do at the end of time? Will he actually judge everybody? Other religions or or those who, who might say that they're spiritual, not religious, might levy this question sort of as a critique against the Christian faith. They say, well, you think those who are saved will be few? How dare you suggest that we won't all be saved? How exclusive, how offensive. However, the most relevant person to ourselves, the person who asked this question, is ourselves. Because I would imagine that for every single person here today, we can all think of someone or perhaps know someone who isn't saved or who we fear might not be. Someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. Could be a friend, a colleague, a neighbor, or it could be someone much closer to home. A spouse, a sibling, a parent, a child, a grandchild. And so we too, we turn to the Lord and we ask, Lord, will those who are saved be few? In our gospel reading, Jesus responds to this unnamed person by telling them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter but not be able." Jesus explains the reality of the situation. There is, in fact, a narrow Door And many are going to be left outside the door when all is said and done. The master of the house, who is Jesus, on the day when he returns, will shut the door. And those who are left outside will realize that they are not in the kingdom of God for all eternity. And so they will knock and they will say, Lord, open to us. At which point those devastating but true words will be spoken by Jesus. I do not know. Where you come from. Now, to understand what Jesus was communicating to the crowds that day, we need to step back for just a moment and remember that Jesus is here in the heart of his ministry. And the lines in the sand between Jesus and his opponents are very distinctly drawn. Last week we heard Jesus said, I came not to bring peace on earth, but division. And people were divided about him. Many believed in him, but many more, especially his own people, especially people close to him, even members of his own family at the time, did not believe in him. And it is in this context that Jesus' words were spoken. Jesus had come as the promised Savior of the world, the long-awaited Messiah, the one in whom Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had their faith. All the prophets of the kingdom of God who had preceded him were looking forward to Jesus. And so Jesus is telling them, it's not enough to say that you ate and drank with me or that you heard my teachings or that you come from the right family or the right lineage. It comes down to faith. Jesus was asking them, do you believe in me as the son of God and the savior of the world for the forgiveness of your sins? Sins. And you see, if you don't, then your sins are still with you. And you will be cast out as a worker of evil, as one whom Jesus does not know. But in contrast to that, rejection that Jesus was facing from many people around him. Jesus then goes on to paint a different picture in verse 29 of what else will happen on that day when he returns. He says people will come from east and west and north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying people are going to come from all over the world. Jews and Gentiles alike. All those who trusted in Jesus as Savior and God and they will stream into the eternal life that he has prepared for us. And so we have this contrast from Jesus, don't we? While the door is narrow and many will exclude themselves from eternal life, Jesus has come to open the door to all people, both Jew and Gentile alike. And remember who it was in Jesus' day who was walking through that door. It was the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the Gentiles and the so-called sinners. They were the ones walking through the door on account of their faith in Jesus. Whereas there were many people in his day who should have known better. But they were choosing to stay outside in the dark. We can see very clearly what this meant in Jesus' day, but what does this mean for us? Why has the Holy Spirit caused us to hear these words today? After all, we're not really dealing in the church or in our culture with a Jewish-Gentile divide like there would have been back then. Most, if not all of us, are Gentiles. but. But Jesus's words are very much still relevant to us today because that question is still being asked that question, which can burn deeply in our hearts. Lord, will those who are saved be few and Jesus's words are also still very much relevant to us today because people today are still coming up with all sorts of answers. Today, people don't usually look to their ethnicity or their ancestry to assure themselves of their salvation like they were doing in Jesus's day. However, people are still assuming that they deserve to be saved just as they did back then. Numerous surveys, for instance, have shown that this is the way that most American Christian Christians think. One survey in particular from Pew Research in 2014 asked not just Americans, mind you, but American Christians, whether or not they believe that many religions can lead to eternal life, and 66% agreed. That's two-thirds of American Christians today who reject the fundamental Christian truth of being saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. And roughly the same number, 60%, believe that heaven is the place where all people go and are reunited with their loved ones regardless of religious belief. Now what this tells us is that we as a society are reluctant to admit that what Jesus says about the narrow door is actually true.
1: Now what this study
0: doesn't tell us is why people believe this. But I, best, I bet we could guess some of the reasons. I would guess that one of the reasons, at least, is, is that many of those surveyed are like us, that they have loved ones who they don't know if they believe in Jesus. And so something within them wants to believe that, that their loved one will still be saved, which is a compassionate desire, even if it is misguided. But I would also guess that one of the biggest reasons why people believe that all people can be saved, regardless of their religious belief, is the same reason why people in Jesus' day thought the same. And the reason is because it demands less of us, because it doesn't rock the boat, because it better suits our comfortable lives and our lives, which are all too often filled with sin and pride. And that we don't want to go out and share the name of Jesus. Think about it. Our country is actually quite highly acquainted with Jesus. The vast, vast majority of Americans have attended a Christian church at some point in their lives, even if not currently. Most people in this country know about Jesus, have heard the gospel, even call themselves Christians. But acquaintance with Jesus is not enough. Jesus tells us that many people will say we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. Or to rephrase that a little bit for us today, many people will say, but I came to church on Christmas and Easter. I called myself a Christian. Acquaintance is not enough. Attendance is not enough. Relying on the faith of your parents or your grandparents is not enough. Trying to be a good person and treating everyone well is not enough. Comparing yourself to another person who you deemed is more sinful than you is not enough. Your intelligence, your reasoning, your excuses are not enough. Even though these are many of the things people will point to on that day as they're knocking on the door. But the master will say to them, I do not know where you come from. So what is enough? All this can seem rather concerning. Especially in a situation where we're concerned about a particular person in our lives. It can be quite heart-wrenching to imagine them outside the door of eternal life. Or perhaps we are the one who's worried about being on the wrong side of the door. After all, Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow door. And that sounds difficult. It sounds uncertain. It sounds like we can't ever be sure enough if we've striven well enough at the end when all is said and done. But you see, it's not uncertain. Nor is it difficult. Not if you know what the door is, or more accurately, who the door is. You see, the door is Jesus. And Jesus explains this to the crowds in John chapter 10. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The door into the kingdom of God is Jesus. It is Jesus for you. It's realizing that Jesus came to know you and to know where it is you come from. And Jesus knows that you are sinful and unclean. But he has made you his By faith. Faith, it is not your own work. Salvation is not accomplished by your own effort. It has been already accomplished by Jesus. He has won it for you and he has gifted you the faith to believe in him and everything he's done. Did you hear at the beginning of our gospel reading that Luke once again takes the time? He does this uh, often. He once again takes the time to remind us that Jesus is still on his way to Jerusalem. This is a big theme in Luke's gospel. Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem back in chapter 9. And ever since then, Jesus had been continuing on an unwavering path toward everything that he knew was waiting for him there betrayal and arrest and being beaten and shamed and scorned and crucified and killed, but also being raised from the dead. Jesus was going to Jerusalem to do everything that all of our striving in this life could never accomplish, which is the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of eternal life. This salvation has been offered to every single person in this world for free. It's there for everybody. It's what Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets trusted would one day arrive. And it's what we, by faith, know has already happened. And so we know we will be part of those nations streaming in from east and west and north and south. The door to God's kingdom may be narrow meaning that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life, but it is also absolutely critical to realize that that door is an open door. Salvation is not based on some exclusive criteria that some can meet and others can't. Jesus' salvation is offered to all. Right now, today, he is the open door, the door that anyone is welcome to walk through, and to find the pastures of eternal life. But that brings us back to our question, doesn't it? The question, will those who are saved be few? And what about the person that I love? What about the person about whom I'm worried? Well, to be honest, that is a difficult thing to grapple with in this life. But at some point... We do need to realize that we are not the ones who are responsible or in control of answering that question. But I do want you to notice something. I want you to notice, again, what Jesus says when he's asked that question. Instead of just answering that person bluntly, yes, those who are saved will be few, and then just keep moving on. Jesus stops and takes the moment to encourage the crowd to strive through the narrow door, which is Himself, to trust in Him and Him alone for their salvation, to be fully certain themselves that their righteousness is rooted in Him, and that He has there, He's there at journeying toward Jerusalem for them. And then, what's more, Jesus takes the time to depict all those nations pouring into his kingdom on the last day. And so he is making sure that we know that entrance into eternal life isn't only for select few. It isn't only for an exclusive bunch. It is offered to all people, including you and including those for whom we are concerned. And so that's an invitation from Jesus to always be motivated to to make known to others the salvation that is offered to them by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the apostles were going to be sent out by Jesus to, to go to the very ends of the earth to make that good news known, and they did. And now we, the church, pick up that mission. This is the Great Commission. We carry out that same mission. The gospel is still going to every end of the earth through us. And we all have our own end of the earth that God has given us, our own corner in which we live. And in your corner, there is your, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, your family member. And you have been called by God to share with them unapologetically the good news of Jesus Christ. You are the one whom God has appointed specifically to reach out to that person. You know, some people are called overseas, but, but not many. All of us, however, have been given a mission to go right where God already has us. And so as you go, remember this. Remember that the burden of changing someone's heart is not a burden that you're called to bear. You have no power to convert people. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. But you have been sent to pray for them and to know that God hears your prayers and you have also been sent to keep talking to the people around you and telling them about that open door to God's kingdom, telling them about Jesus. And through the miracle of faith on that last day, there will be many people whom we assumed would have been the last ones to the kingdom, and yet they will be first. And they, will, they with us, we will go through the door And we will rejoice with them and live together joyfully reclined at table in the kingdom of God with our Savior for all eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.